Welcome to the Emotional Horsemanship Podcast. I am your host, Lockie Phillips, and I help deeply caring equestrians create emotionally balanced horses with science, empathy, and feel. This podcast is a safe place for anyone who desires a better future for horses and for the equestrian lifestyle. I hope that you will enjoy these solo and collaborative episodes where we enjoy a deep insight into our horses' worlds and ways in which we can make that better for them. If you love horses and are willing to do right by them, you're going to love this podcast. And I thank you for being here. My guest this week is my friend, clinic host, and horsewoman extraordinaire, Laurie Halliday. Laurie Halliday lives with her family in Santa Cruz, California, where they run a 501c3 registered charity called the Horse and Heart Ranch, or as she originally called it, Equus Anamcara, horse soul friend in Latin. I've performed two clinics with Laurie Halliday and her family and the 12 horses within their care for the Santa Cruz and Bay Area, California community. And it's one of my favorite places on planet Earth. Laurie Halliday is a horsewoman with extreme intellectual, emotional and energetic gifts. She presents mentorship, teaching, guidance and congruency coaching to equestrians anywhere who wishes to work with her but her safe place her special place is the sanctuary she has created for deeply caring horse people in california i am delighted thrilled over the moon to be presenting her here on my podcast because truly in my opinion she should be the one sitting in my seat not the other way round. Okay, Laurie, I'm so happy that you're here with me. I'm up too early and I'm not a morning person and you're up too late and I don't think you're an evening person. Is that correct? <laughs> I was at one point, probably. At one point in your life. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for joining me here. You are actually my first recorded guest here. Uh, I'm diving in headfirst to this world and I can't think of someone better to start this off with, a safe place to explore an unknown modality. And Daddy. last time I saw you in person, it was probably about 3, 3.30 in the morning in your upstairs room in your house in your ranch in Santa Cruz. And I think you yes. sprayed me with like a, a scented uh, a natural I think it oil. Was rose, clearing, rose water. Maybe rose water, yeah. like a clearing spray. And you gave me a hug. Oh, yes. And Andy I drove remember. me to San Francisco Airport. And you said, How did you do that, Lucky? How did you do that? And I was like, What? Like, I'm like half asleep. You're like, How did you do that? How did you go from where you were to where you are now? You're like, it's amazing, Lucky. And then the whole drive on the way to the airport, I'm thinking, sometimes we need someone else mm. to tell us these things. So I want to return the favor and say, I think that you are amazing. 
I really do. I really do think you are amazing. And I want to give you some opportunity to tell people the following. Who are you? What do you do? And how do you serve the horse industry as it stands at this time? Mm. Well... First of all, thank you so much for letting me come and be in an intimate conversation with you in that fabulous bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather's bathrobe, eight, eight, eight o'clock in the morning. Yes. I love Fun it. Fact, I love it. I'm often doing client appointments here in my office in my slippers and pajamas. Ah. So you heard it here first. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, this is, it's a Zoom type situation. So I also have slippers. Slippers, yes. <laughs> Yes, we all need more of this in the world. More more like COVID vibes without the actual disease. Right. That was right. one thing I loved about COVID was the relaxation that it infused all of our lives with. Kind of brought a certain level. kind of yeah, kind of a transparency or a um a softening to being at home mm-hmm. and um to coming to the party as you are. As you are, yeah. So yes. I think that is one of the one of the sweet spots of this time, and uh, I think one of the challenges is kind of a sense of um, isolation. So I'm Lori Halliday. Thank you so much for having me, Lucky. I'm so thrilled to be with you every time I'm with you, um, whether we're live or we're um, on the computer or Instagram, uh, FaceTiming mm. each other. It's it's just such a delight to be with a kindred spirit. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, like, what is it about us? Like, how, what is the kindred aspect? And one of the pieces that came up for me right away today is otherness, that we walk, we both walk with otherness. And so, you know, maybe it's not the exact same kind of otherness, but it has enough um, cultural uh, paradigm and sense of separation and subjugation that mm. there's so much that we understand about each other without having to say a lot. Even in the beginning, there was mm. a, um, a sense that we knew something of each other because we experience otherness. Mm. And that's so true. And I felt that from the beginning. Mm. Why don't why don't you do you remember how we met or how you found because you found me and invited me to your place for a clinic about a year and a half almost two years ago now almost two years ago now yeah time is flying and Mm. ella was already engaging with you and working in the hoof school program Ah. so ella was in the natural hoof care program with you so she already knew who you were. I think this is how the timing goes. I, I'm not sure. I'm not 100%. But I can remember how I heard and saw you. Because and Ella this is, is your daughter, by the way. Your daughter, right, who right. is also an incredible horsewoman and will be on the podcast on her own and probably with you as well because exactly chef's kiss to Ella. But go on. Yes. yes. Yes, Ella Halliday, my partner and my daughter and my dear, dear friend who's just had a baby. Um, mm-hmm. Little Ever is... 12 weeks old today. So her hands, her hands are a little bit tied. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I'm recalling is I was watching you on Instagram and 
I find what you um, are talking about so informative and you're just dropping knowledge. And if you're paying attention, you might just pick up golden nuggets just real time. And, and you, <laughs> you, you had, uh, I think you had a donkey appear on mm-hmm. your property and mm-hmm. they had this different kind of metal structure that was used with jagged edges and that was rotten. tied up yes mm-hmm, tied on to mm-hmm. the donkey and you were showing us and questioning about it and you were also careful to say i'm not judging this farmer i'm not judging this rancher who uses this tool this is what they use here in this situation but wow look at it well, how do mm. you feel about it and mm-hmm. um and then you just kind of threw out, and yeah, I'll be in San Jose, this and that. And I thought, does he mean San Jose, California? <laughs> and I immediately was like, doo, 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 doo. hello, Lucky. This is Lori Holiday. Are you coming to him? I must see you. I could come and see you. Uh, I could go where you are, or maybe you could come over here. And mm-hmm. uh, click, click, click. It was pretty pretty quick and it was such an awesome clinic and we loved having you so much and it really was the beginning of yet another big change Mm -hmm. and we we were checking in about this a little bit earlier this idea of how our horsemanship changes over time what influences that and and what that looks like and I was feeling a little bit ashamed frankly in retrospect thinking about how Back in the day, 20 years ago, when I was doing natural horsemanship and, um, you know, curious about liberty work and Carolyn Resnick, mm-hmm. um, people in the industry, in the sport industry, called us the hippie, the hippie horse people, mm-hmm. and that we were doing woo-woo horsemanship. Mm-hmm. And um, even then, the question for me was, is this much force necessary? I was mentioning that to you, and we were studying all the different great natural horsemanship teachers, and I kept wondering, like, is it, do we have to do it so hard? Does it, do we need this much force every time? And I thought I was light, and I thought I was careful, and everybody thought I was light, and um, you know, to the point that they thought I was like some kind of fairy that I was doing nothing. I was just floating around them with good intentions. Mm. And, um, and now I look back on that and I feel that in fact, we were heavy handed Mm -hmm. and, and that the things we did were not consensual Mm -hmm. and that I was constantly going up against my own intuition. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so now at 55, you know, 25 years later, I really, as a brown-bodied woman, and my daughter also, as we together as brown-bodied women, are really begging the question all the time around consent. And Mm. we are really working to activate and amplify our own intuition, our ability to hear the inner voice, the inner knowing that's much closer to our own animal body and to the other animal bodies in the field. Um, And how challenging that is when there are so many constructs out there and many of them are tried and true. And um, for instance, the sport industry and the ways that we practice with horses in in that industry, um, it's really coming up against one of the uh, oldest institutions of our time. You know, force. Yeah. That one right there. You know, I, 
when I started doing clinics, it, it was my response to something I felt in a post-COVID era because I had set up this online arm of my work and I thought, you know, the world's waking up and everyone's starting to stretch their tendrils out in the world again. So I thought it might not work. Mm, I don't even know if I can do this. I don't even know if people would be interested with this translate. And you reached out and I showed up at your place in Santa Cruz in California your beautiful ranch that you've you've lived there for over 20 years with your family and you've got 12 horses, right? You're a registered 501c3. Um, yes, 501c3. And you've got this beautiful setup on this hill on Santa Cruz overlooking Monterey Bay. It's just a spectacular position and you've mm-hmm. got this little world up there surrounded by the the redwoods and it's just I was like I showed up in your kitchen and 24 hours prior to showing up in your kitchen I was on a cattle ranch in Wyoming and then I was with you and talk about cultural whiplash in that moment and I was a little bit tired because I had a pretty demanding schedule which I've learned to have some buffer days in between clinics now, so I'm doing that. Yeah. But I'm sitting there in your kitchen and I'm like, where am I? Like, am <laughs> I dreaming? And you would just, and I've never, and this is, I don't think I've told you this before, but in my life I've met lots of different people of lots of different cultures, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. In fact, when I was working as a ballet dancer for a long time, I was one of two people in a company of about 100 people that had English as their first language. Everyone else was from somewhere else. Wow. I've I've never quite met someone like you, and I've never been exposed to a family like yours Mm. in the sense that the the generosity, the the welcomeness – from Halliday family was immediate, <laughs> unequivocal, intelligent, warm, but mm. with boundaries built in. Mm. And you immediately struck this balance and this extension of friendship to me, which I've never quite had that before. I, I was used to, um, in the ballet world, um, mm. though it looks glamorous on the surface, it has a very brutal and ruthless underbelly. The horse industry is very similar. So when I entered the horse industry, it was like, oh, no, I got this. Glamour on the surface, brutal underbelly, no problem. This is second nature to me. But when I showed up at the horse and heart ranch at your farm, I was like, oh, these guys aren't doing that at all.com. At all.com. <laughs> Not at all. They yeah. are just like, oh, no, we're opted out. And we had been opted out for 20 years, opted out, and we're doing our thing. And I was like, they really have created a safe place with a capital SP. Mm-hmm. And I continue to be blown mm. away and grateful that I know you really mm, thank you well you know that the, the caveat to that is that we were immersed in the sport world as well and so we talk, really talk to me about that but talk to me about that how did that start we didn't come out of the deal without blood on our hands is kind of how I feel about uh. participating in the sport world um, 
just to not mince words. Um, yeah, Ella ended up at a school where they had a, a trainer who was also offering team sport in Hunter Jumper and followed that circuit, started in the um, EIA, Equestrian, is that what it's called? The association where you pull the um, horse's name out of a hat at each event. Oh, that so one. You don't know who that you're going to get. It's like a club sport. Mm. And that was great mm. for people like us who didn't have money to get a gazillion dollar horse. And mm. the whole scene, you know, the boots alone are a gazillion right. dollars. So, right. um so we ended up at some point getting our kind of discount horse version of, of the special jumping horses who hated his job, Gizmo. Mm -hmm. Gizmo. For God's oh, sake, oh, the nicest person in the world. Yes. My first, yes. I feel horrible, you know. And when I met him, the first thing I told him is, as soon as we can, I will take you away from this. Mm. And because um, he hated it. They were putting mm -hmm. uh, earplugs in his ears, giving him um, female hormone injections and to dull him down. And what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all kinds of... And they call us crazy. Like, when I hear these stories, I'm just like, and they gaslight us and call us nuts for doing crazy things like patience and kindness, and you're injecting estrogen and ear-plugging horses. Like, what is going on there? What is going on? They don't think twice about entering into the joint capsules. All, <sighs> all It's just, it couldn't be more invasive. And um, so, you know... We didn't end up being able to bring him home within two years, and, and he tracked it with me, and, and he would check in and say, you're not keeping your end of the bargain. Like, you said mm. two years, and I'm, I, know, I, I know I thought it would be two years, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to stay with it. And eventually, he did come and leave his huh. sport world and live at the ranch. And this is not a sick horse. This is not a mentally ill horse. He is a no. loving, kind, gentle teacher. He is well, and um, he doesn't need to have his e hearing buffered or hormones or be controlled. He's naturally very balanced. Mm -hmm. I mean, you met him. He's just a lovely fellow. Probably yeah, the nicest horse. horse I've ever met in my life. Um, yeah, he's and he, a sweetheart. Yeah, he was just treated like a fink. He really was mm. made to feel that he was not enough in so many ways. I watched him be so stressed one time. He fumbled down onto his front knees. I watched him get buck buckled down onto his knees. So, um, yeah, and that's just one of the horses who was in the sport world with us. But what I will say, so as not to drag ourselves completely under the Too bus deep. here, right? Mm. Is is that... Uh, there there came a time when, um, and Ella will probably tell this story perhaps if it comes up, but where it was just, it was just too much. It was just too much. And it was literally finally just too much. All And we were all the way underwater with it. And um, Ella pulled her horse, hung a hard left, left the whole world, took her horse out, never went back. I mean, we literally took our horse in the night and left both times when we took our horses out. And it, it I had to counsel, coach with an adult in another state and say, this seems crazy that you would have to take your horse in the night and run. 
Mm. But whether it literally happens that way or not, that's the feeling. The feeling mm. is like, like you're going to have to be under cloak of night to get your horse out of this world because everyone is so indoctrinated into it. Mm. And um, they think you're crazy. And they're mm. very quick to say, don't ruin that horse. Mm. Don't ruin the horse that you already ruined, who mm. now we're going to have to unwind for years. So yes. three horses came uh, through that channel to us and uh, in different so ways. Gizmo, Blueberry, Blueberry, and Raison. Mm. Yeah, she had Ella had saved money to buy a new truck because hers is always on the on the fritz. And then Raison came on the market. She had already had ten owners, mm. and Ella had met her when she came to the United States, fresh off the plane. Ella jumped with her from France. Hmm. She was the first person to get to compete with her, and she did well, and so she was sold right away. And then she watched her go to ten other riders and it and that ride was very special and monumental that ella got to do with ray and so she was devastated at the question what is going to happen to this mare mm -hmm. how her, her value how does her value go down and down and down and who will take her next and what will they do with her and how many riders will ask her to go mm -hmm. and so she it wasn't it wasn't a cheap move it wasn't it was an inexpensive it was not an inexpensive rescue it was an expensive rescue and she pulled mm -hmm. her out of the sport world and um, she's been here unwinding we nobody has sat on her um, turns out she's not really crazy about having us touch her and everyone mm -hmm. thought that she was just such a good girl and she just stood so well and she was this classic fawning classic fawner yeah, just, mm. just, just, I'm good. It's okay. You can do it. And um, hated it. She still doesn't mm -hmm. really want me to, just this week, she showed me an itchy spot. And I was like, oh my God, do you want me to touch you? Just, I'll just in this spot right here. How about this? Mm -hmm. And mm. uh, and that was all. She was like, whoop, that's good. Gave me a little tail swoosh and, you know, got the scratch and got Moved, to move in. Got out of there. Got out of there, but um, anyway, they were all finding their way back to their own uh, center, their own midline of health, their own balance, um, and are just being allowed to be who they are. And so, not, yeah. how many how many years have you and Ella, as a family, been out of that system now? Hmm. Well, COVID has changed everyone's math, but I think it must be around five years. Okay, mm -hmm. so not long. And how many years were you in that system? Mm. Yeah, it must have been eight years. So mm -hmm. here's the part. I think I've asked you this before, but I'll ask you again. It's knowing who you are, your intuitive gifts, your energetic gifts – which mm. we'll get to in more detail in a moment, your intelligence, your wisdom, and your ability to feel what others feel. I know you had not days, not weeks, not months, years, where you walked into these stables and you saw mm. these horses and your nervous system knew what you were witnessing and nobody <laughs> else was. Even your daughter 
was trying to keep up with the Joneses there for a while, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of, um, because I know that there will be someone somewhere listening to this conversation who is either themselves in that system or they are a parent of a child in that system or they're a coach or an instructor in the system and we're all thinking, little voice in the back of the head saying, I don't know if this is right or maybe there's a better way we could be doing all of this. And you did not make your daughter feel judged. You supported her. You guided her, tried to keep her safe. And when she was ready to come out, you're like, I got you. Let's go under the cloak of darkness, like Zorro taking your horses in the middle of the night and getting out of there. Yeah. How, how did you do that? And what was that experience like going into these stables, being who you are? Did you have to disconnect? Like, mm-hmm. Walk me through that. Well, you're totally onto kind of a hot wire there, a very um, activated place where when I would enter into other spaces where the horses were not respected and were not feeling well, were living in um, two small confined areas that were not, I mean, and, and sometimes these would be like you know, multi, multi, multi million dollar ranches mm. and and facilities where they chose while designing and building to put the horses in the tiniest containers. In fact, the more expensive the horses were, the more the confined, yeah, mm-hmm. they made them. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, you know, it's it's a lot like a prison camp. Mm. And um so, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to check out the documentary called Sensitive, which is about highly mm-hmm. sensitive people, HSP. Mm. Many mm. people who are in the realm that we're in dealing more with the emotions, the relationship, um, consent, and developing one's own intuition are actually highly sensitive individuals. And it's not all people, and it's not learned. It's an inherent behavior 20% mm. of all humans have it. 20% of mm. all species have it. Mm. The highly sensitive, the HSPs, the highly sensitive. And it reminds me a lot of horses. So mm. as a highly sensitive person going into these places where my highly sensitive web of horse vibrations are right there, right? And they're they're cribbing and they're biting the edges and they've got on the co- the cribbing collars and they're they're literally saying open the gate open mm. the gate one horse after another open the gate open the gate and i'm not going to lie to open those gates I, you know i did some part of the inside of me was like I had like this kid this this childlike who knows what's right who feels a little bit like a vigilante wanted to mm. open all the gates mm. and and that went on and on and on and people would say oh how lovely for you your daughter does horsemanship like you you must love to do this with her mm. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, wow yeah Ew, it was just it was a so difficult and, mm. the, and the parents in those environments they're all there with their kids for the wrong reasons if you're buying mm. into all of that Everyone's there for the wrong reasons. The parents are there for the wrong reasons. The kids are there for the wrong reasons. The coaches are there for the wrong reasons. And what is the wrong reason? Anything other than what is best for the healthy, for the health of this wild 
domesticated animal, mm-hmm. right? Like all of this is against their nature. None of this mm. is relative to the nature of horses. Mm. Um, you know, how do we, how are there just a world of sport horses who have no bend? How did mm. they take the bend out of horses? That's mm. all they have is the bend for the, the to right. regulate that those brains and those systems. They must bend. Mm. Uh, it's like the the rigidity, boards. our rigidity, yeah, our vertical rigidity we put into the most bendy creature there was. Mm. You know. So yeah, you're right. I hated it, and it was hor- it was horrible, and I was felt very sensitive. But this is what I would say about it. Mm. Um, I tried to have a, a little battle with little Ella when she was a toddler about what she was wearing. She was two, and pretty quickly I realized this is She's probably not. Gonna- not- this is probably not a work. battle I need to have with her. Yes. Like, there may be battles later, but the what you're going to wear thing, you know what? Wear whatever you want to wear, buddy. Mm. I don't mind. Mm. Wear whatever mm. you want to wear. And it was the beginning of me picking my battles. Mm. And um, so, you know, fast forward to the 12 or 13-year-old girl who wants to do the thing that all little girls want to do. Put on a hunt coat, get those boots on, put on a little <laughs> helmet and jump, jump, jump. Um, get 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 some ribbons, highly flammable. Careful with those. Um, and um, so she quickly was there. And I never, ever felt like I had the purview over her soul, over her system, over her curiosity to say, whoa, 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 girl, you're going down the wrong road. That, that mm. wasn't in there for me. This uh. deep, inherent respect, <clears throat> this deep, inherent respect that I have for Ella, that I have had for her always. Um, but you have for horses too. It goes everywhere. Mm. You are that way for mm. everyone, everywhere, mm. always. So yeah. that deep, inherent respect should not be conditional. Right. We are not entitled to say to any other being, do it this way, dot, 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 including those people who are showing up in those environments for the wrong reasons. We are also not entitled to come to them by tap them on the shoulder and say, did you know what you're doing is wrong? I mean, you and I can sit here. I'm in my pajamas. You're in your house. We're both minding our own businesses on a podcast, but we are minding our own businesses. If someone from that system finds this conversation and has listened long enough to hear us say that we think what is happening there is one of the most egregious forms of horsemanship, then they're going to hear that message. But we are right now minding our own businesses, speaking our own opinions. But I would never, ever go to someone to give them unsolicited advice because it is emotional abuse every time and you are the same way you would not go and give someone unsolicited advice no and she Mm. was a teenager so she was quick to tell me mom you don't know uh okay (laughs) mom yeah you don't know about this mom you don't know how we do this right mom you don't know what we're doing hmm the truth is, I knew exactly what they were doing. What were they doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I was not there to convert the sport world, no. uh, you know, through my daughter's people. Like, I no. was there to amplify what Ella loved, to mm. 
help her bring her deep wisdom and knowledge and training from a life of natural practices and living with horses. Because she, again, she was in a club sport where you drew a name out of a hat. So she was amazing. She was much mm. better than the kids who had the multi hundred thousand dollar horses, right? Oh, Ella's a wildly she, she, talented. She's like, I could ride, ride a donkey, it. I could ride a pony, mm -hmm. I could ride a big horse. She she could be with the horses, and so she already had a leg up. Mm. And and so I wasn't there to say, You're doing it wrong, this is the wrong thing. It was what she was doing at the time, and uh, she loved it, and she did it respectfully herself. And I was there for it. I was there for her. Um, and people would say, do you think Ella will join you, you know, in work? And I thought I would think it was so crazy. Like, no, she hmm. definitely is not joining me in work that I do because she is very certain that I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. um, and she tells me all the time. So, no, she won't be joining me. Um, and now she does. Right. And that is the that is the lesson, right? Get our meddling sticky fingers out of the pie. Right. Hello. Yes, amen to that. It's not, like it's, it's not our job. We we conflate meddling with curiosity. They are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. They are not the same thing. There's protection. We say we protection. we say we're gonna protect you. Right. There's nosiness. There's uh, intrusiveness. There's boundary mm -hmm. violations. There's unsolicited advice. And then there's true curiosity. And true curiosity has an inbuilt boundary to it because it says what's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. I can observe you even at a distance if necessary. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to come close, there's always a buffer zone that I'll come to. And no creature is better at this than the horse. They understand, <laughs> most of them understand if they've been socialized and if they haven't had the intrusive nosiness put onto them, <laughs> they understand this. And <laughs> I love that you were able to navigate that so congruently with who you are <laughs> and that <laughs> though you, ha you feel like you have blood in your hands from where I'm sitting... Yeah. Your hands were clean as much as they could have been. Yeah. I I um I could have said no. Mm. I could have um not participated and followed in the way that I did. But for me, the the for me, the goal and the focus at that time and, and now as well is really to be present for Ella, my only daughter, my only child that I created with my animal body and mm. um, with Andy's participation. Um, <laughs> and and I I deeply desire to be there for her. It's it's not an affectation. It's it's my real animal nature to support her and help help her feel safe in the containers that she chooses to be in as she develops. And I'm not going to pick what they are. That I, I, do, I do that for myself, and that's my privilege. And um, 
as much as I can. And I, I want her to do that for herself the same way I want Raison to leave the world that she was in and come here and choose what she wants to do. Choose if she would like to be touched or sh- share with us if she would not like to be touched and not be forced and subjugated into containers where she will be touched by me because she's such a good girl. Mm. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't want to, it's just gross. I just, I don't mm. want to go on any more dates like that. I'm, I don't <laughs> done all that. So yeah. let's shift gears a little bit. I'd like, I'd like you to describe if someone doesn't know you and they've never seen you work with horses. I've seen you work mm-hmm. with horses and mm-hmm. I can describe you from my perspective, <laughs> but how would you describe yourself and your work with horses to someone mm. who wouldn't know you? Well, I'm so influenced by your work, honestly. And as you know, we had the privilege also to study with with Carolyn Resnick. And so we've experienced all of this uh, work in the field without apparatus Mm -hmm. and without control. We've experienced consent. We are fine-tuning our intuition. And so I... I do have methods that I love to use. I love to practice motherful bonding with the appetitive mm-hmm. behaviors that you really brought alive for all of us. And they're so empowering to have your horse look over at you like you're the leader. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's like, yes, I am. I can be here for you. I mm. can be right here and show you right where we are. And, um, I can be so attractive and magnetic that you will have to come with me. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> these foundational kind of language pieces that you really elucidated for us in the mother full bonding have really stuck and mm. make so much sense to me because they are clearly from the world of the horse and mm. like natural horsemanship, for instance, we say that that's from the world of the horse, but it's so tainted with the dominance of the prey animal um, mm. that we are, our dances and our behaviors are still in that, those games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, you can learn these things and do them the way you choose to do them. And you really should choose them, choose to do them the way you do them, right? Mm-hmm. Everything we learn has to be chewed on and then regurgitated by us. Otherwise, us. we're just. mimicking and we're just Mm -hmm. a puppet and Mm. so practice 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 i would say that if people came and saw what i was doing they would probably think wow there's a lot of practice involved in what she's Uh doing Uh i think that they would think that and i think we come from a culture who they don't really want to practice you know they Mm. want to drive up and get a nice pony and take off their helmet and get a get a nice film for Instagram riding off into the sunset without a helmet on. So mm. that's the glory of of what we want and we kind of want that in a lot of things, a quick fix. But but I think what people experience here and and would expect and would see and have have experienced here is when we find the relational keys that work. We understand for instance appetitive behaviors and how to just break down the old paradigms of these subordinating 
relationships mm. and find something else that works, that's effective, where mm. we're, everybody remains dignified mm. and, and we can do the same games, but everybody can choose in. Mm. That takes practice. Practice. Yes. And so yes. I, I think people would say I'm heavy on the practice, practice, practice. And um, people want to get on. With it. And get on the horse. Mm, right. And they, they, they have no idea of their body. And mm. they don't understand the giant body of the other and how this big barge or bus or you know, Volkswagen, whatever you've got, moves through space. Mm. And um, and this is another thing I thought about us, Lucky, that we have in common is that we both come from dance and dance movement. Background. And yep. we were just steeped in movement and 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 having forced to understand the body and study mm -hmm. the anatomy. And so I think this is what's missing with most horse people, actually. Mm. This is the difference. One of the differences I was thinking about when I was thinking about things that we have in common is that many people come disembodied. And so mm. we have these like disembodied, you, uh, you know, zombie people working through, I working through ideas, not yes. actually not down in their body, wondering uh. how, how they're going to move with or how they're going to move, draw towards, or they're not really in a dance. They're, conceptually working up here with what they think is needed and um okay i'd so, like you to yeah. hold right there because what you just spoke to is divine delicious and beautiful mm. and i want to say that when people are disembodied and floating with their intellectual cleverness and their yeah. abstract brain and they've made horsemanship this mechanical intellectual exercise it's not their fault. There might be a level of them opting into that. But if you are alive in Western culture, anywhere in the world, around horses today, and unless you had those direct explicit influences from world of dance or somatics or whatever it was that is of the distinct other, unless you've had those experiences in that training, you will be disembodied because all of society's conditionings, all of... Uh, traditional education puts us in that place. I think that we were all probably like the perfect horse person at around ages seven through 10. And then mm -hmm. we go through traditional education and we get spit out the other side, these perfect yeah. little abstract puppets that walk around mm -hmm. and their body is just this meat vehicle that takes their brain to meetings for the rest of their life. And mm -hmm. the, the further I get away from my dance career, the more and more I feel that disparity, that it is a discipline to stay in the body. And a hill I've been dying on recently with my clients who are in my regular services and my inner circles is consistency, repetition, rinse, repeat. That the difference between an advanced student and someone who's not there yet is that the advanced student takes action on a regular basis, period period. And I think a lot of us horse people of the deeply caring inclinations have potentially thrown the hardworking baby out with the dominance bathwater because we've seen 
dominance and its trappings having they have often co-opted this stoic fairy line of i get up at 4 a.m and ride 10 horses before breakfast and i've got a broken knee and i get bucked off and you get back on and it's this stoic storyline of like like it's also tied into our anglo-saxon background of like suffering for you know roman catholicism right self-flagellation suffer 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 and yeah we've often in pursuit of something with more freedom and more libertinism, we have rejected the hard work aspect. We've rejected also the practice aspect. This requires a lot of discipline. And I'm consulting with a couple of colleagues at the moment who want to move away from escalating pressure. And Mm -hmm. I want them to know we cannot throw away the practice component. Don't expect this to work for you the first time you try it or even the 10th time you try it. You need that 10,000 hours. Yeah, nobody gets the tango the first time. Nobody, nobody. But when you practice the tango or when you are with somebody who's practiced the tango, Mm -hmm. the dance is very different. So now Mm -hmm. I'm going to really tell on myself to you. Okay. When I say, when you say, what would people think? You know, be seeing you doing? I literally, I I refer to these three things as a primary language, mm. and they're and they're things I I learned in the appetitive behavior with you. So it's it's the draw to the solar plexus. Draw. Yes. Uh huh. It's the driving of the four quarter, which is the Fibonacci curl, which we coined the little spoon. Little spoon. Yeah. Little spoon. And and then it's the back and over, so they can mm. get right underneath themselves. So I refer to that as the th- three primary language. Love that. And so all the students here, when they come in, they do that. They are not allowed anymore. You ready? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I love all these people. They are not allowed anymore to walk forwards. <laughs> walk on. It doesn't happen anymore. So, so if they're in a line now, they're running backwards on a draw. Mm. Mm. So I've got all these vestibularly rigid, plasticized humans Mm. Learning to run backwards. I bet they could do it when they were little. They're running. They're r- first. They don't start running. They start walking. Right. Oh, they're like mm. Frankenstein. I'm like, okay, breathe. Oh, watch out for the step. Oh, there's a palm tree that's always there. Watch out. You know, yeah. they're they're really not accustomed to moving in their body, and so yes. I'm finding it so deeply fun to just throw that out there like it's nothing and then once we get more comfortable invite them to jog backwards and uh for the more accelerated students like trisha um Mm, hope she hears this mm, mm -hmm. i've started to say things like um so when you leave the arena also please only use the three primary language Mm. She's like, mm, what does that oh. look like? So then she is working with this huge herd. We have 12 horses and it's lunchtime. And, you know, she's got the grains that Treasure needs and Bugsy wants them. And so she's like, stop, stop. Oh, I mean, back up and over. Ah, I see. And now the horse... Now the horses are all backing up and stepping over while she does her mm-hmm, business. Mm-hmm. Huh? Respectfully. Respectfully. And then when she needs to call one of them out, she's drawing them back in. Mm. 
When one's interrupting, she's little spooning them back into the gate. Mm, 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 mm. It, this is this is a deal break changer. This is like a life change. This this has really changed things up. I'm so happy to hear these that. Games. I'm so happy to hear that. And I have I have these very clear flashbulb memories in my mind. I've done two clinics at your farm. Been so blessed to be there. And I have these really clear images in my mind watching you work with uh, Osso, for example. And energetic perfection is the frame I use for it to describe it because you take your time and you're absolutely not concerned that you're taking your time. That alone is unusual because a lot of people, they'll, they'll ask for something and if it doesn't come within two seconds, they're panicking like they're a shit horse person, like like they haven't asked mm. it right. And I'm like, actually, like, and working on line modalities has really helped with that because I'm able to watch the seconds tick on by in real time with perspective. Mm. And mm. I say, so that just took 12 seconds. Objectively, is 12 seconds a long time? They're like, no. I'm like, but did you feel your body start to panic when it didn't come to you immediately? They're like, yes. I'm like, we need to lean into that. We need to disconnect. You're disconnected from that and you're connected and plugged into something else. And I've described Mm -hmm. this to other people when you joined me at other clinics in California and I introduced you to people and I said, if you want to see what it looks and feels like when a horse and a human come together and the energetic and emotional alignment is perfect. It is seamless. It's putting on a glove that was made for your hand. It is putting on a pair of shoes made for your feet. It's custom fit. If you want to see what that looks and feels like without any clunk, without any renegotiation, without any energetic compensation, please, please watch my friend Laurie work with her horses because she might take her time to get there. But we all should be taking more time to get there. And when she gets there, yeah. her horses are just like, it's, it's, it's glorious to watch. And you, mm-hmm. you've, you've set that standard for me now. So now I mm-hmm. watch for that mm-hmm. in other people. Thank you. Like there's no white noise. Yeah. You, know how, you know the horsemanship mm-hmm. where the horse is doing all the things, but there's this yes, background yes. noise in the horse's behavior. Yes, yes. Raquel Dreisma calls yes, it calming yes. signals. But further than that. There's this yeah. undercurrent, electrical undercurrent in the horse of, ah, the horse is going, ah, you were rude there. I'll just move on. Oh, that was annoying. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll move on. Ugh, that was uncomfortable. I'll move on and I'll give it. And people aren't aware or they're so accustomed to having dirt in it that they don't know what clean is anymore. We don't know what consent is. Mm-hmm. People don't know what consent is. So what is consent to you? It takes such deep listening, deep active listening to hear for the yes. Uh Right? Like Raison looks looks like it's a yes, but it's really, I hate this. Uh And so can I peel the next layer down? What am I feeling? I'm rubbing her, but I feel sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's saying yes, and she's such a good girl, but I'm tight. I'm tight in my sternum. What am I feeling? Mm. Right? What does it mean to presence yourself, to listen to what your body is mm. trying to say to you, and just ask yourself, is it yes? Is this consent? Am I feeling 
Because I'll tell you what, yes is like usually fuck yes. Yes is usually like heck yes, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, with excitement. And everything else is no. Everything else is no. And, And so... And you've experienced this and played with this with me too, and you're speaking to it now, which is time. While time ticks by, a yes might be coming. Mm-hmm. And people panic because they want the people yes panic. Dot, 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 right now. Yes. Right, right. And we, they like to have a drive-up window where the yes shoots out like french fries and then drive away. <laughs> um, you know, but That's it's great. more, it could, could be like a home-cooked meal. Like you might be digging the potato out of the ground and then you might right. have to chop the potato, you know. So, yes, it's, it's consent is um, where the bodies feel that it's okay, that we're both safe. And, mm. and... You, you've probably been in these, I know you have, I've been in tricky, hard situations, um, accidents, traumas, where you may not have the deep relaxed. It just happened this week. I was having a flashback. A horse got in a tight area between these kind of utility buildings. And um, I couldn't get a big deep like, yes, honey, I feel good. Let's roll backwards. That's not the feeling I got when I asked Oliver, the giant Frisian, to back out of this tiny spot. It was definitely like, (gasps) he was like, oh, I'm going to die. He was like, he thought he was going to die. That's kind of was his his energy. So what is the yes in there? I see. That takes another kind of listening, right? So it's not just... Yes isn't always yes on a sunny day, but you Ah. you have to learn and practice to listen for the yes. Okay, that's Um, really important. That's so important because a lot of people have this, this might sound rude, a Disney adult understanding Mm. of a yes, that it's it's supposed to have one feeling tone and that we're Mm -hmm. in pursuit of this one elusive Mount Olympus golden gilded feeling Mm -hmm. tone of consent that it's this ultimate but the truth is consent has a variety of structures a variety of feelings a variety of uh, behaviors relative to the context that we're in because it's relational because it's relational that's right it's relational right it's relational all of our getting stuck all of our getting stuck consent there looks different if you have a fire headed towards your farm and you need to get your horse into that trailer, consent looks different there. We're not going, ah, oh, like like a mm-hmm. sunny day. No, we're getting in the trailer. Mm-hmm. My love, mm-hmm. the decision is made. Mm-hmm. We're in the trailer mm-hmm. and come with me. Mm-hmm. And we can do that firmly without abuse as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of my colleagues get stuck on because mm-hmm. they're like, well, what about the safety piece? Mm-hmm. What about the emergency? It's and more I say, important. Yeah, like, It's more important in the emergency. It's more important in the safety piece where the trauma is already elevated and the stakes are already higher. It's more important that you have practiced the hell out of your active listening and that your your ear is, you can listen and and play by ear for yes. You know when there's Mm. the moment where they're like, I think I'm going to die, but yes, okay, I'll turn right here. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do mm-hmm. it. Let's go. Let's turn. You know, mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. going to work out perfectly? 
It may not. No. But you, but mm-hmm. to keep the communication alive, the trust, the relationship, oh. to not abandon. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Mm. This is one of the things where I just have to abandon. I'm going to ignore. I'm going to leave. I'm going to panic. I'm going to force. No, these mm. are the moments we've been training for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I had this conversation with a colleague the other day. I said, well, it depends what you're training for. Are you training for something you need right now? Or are you training for something you need in the future? Mm -hmm. And we should all be practicing and rehearsing. There's the practice piece again. Rehearsing and practicing the things we're going to need from our horses were there to be an emergency. So handling them for the vet, loading them onto a trailer, having them walk off with you in hand in a halter so that you can keep them safe if there is an emergency. If we're practicing something else and not practicing that, we're doing a disservice to our horses. And then the critics of people like you and me, our critics, if they exist, not that we care, they say, oh, but what you're doing is creating unsafe because you're creating a spoiled horse that will not do the thing that is asked of them when it is needed from them. Mm. And it's like, no, we are actually putting the time in to prepare our horses so that when the stakes are high and shit hits the fan, we're able to get it done and the horse doesn't feel brutalized in the process. And they think I'm the leader. They mm-hmm. look at me and exactly. say, what? Tell me what here. Mm. What to do. And, do, and yeah. do you know one of the things that saved us with that horse? Mm. One of the three primary language. We needed mm. him to go back and over in the tightest little space you've ever seen. And he mm. did. And when we, and did, and when we were finished, I turned around and looked at Trisha and I said, so are you glad you've been practicing back and over? She said, that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm making you a hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. You've been putting the work in and then you get the results. Mm-hmm. It's. I'm so happy to hear that. I want to talk about the fact that you are now a grandmother. So since I last saw you, you were preparing to be a grandmother. Yeah. And now you're a grandmother. So you've been a mother, you've been a pre-mother, and then a mother, and now a grandmother. And I know for a lot of horsewomen... There was a period in my life when I I seemed to specialize in post-pregnancy return to riding for women. I seemed just by accident because everyone in my schedule was returning to horses after pregnancy. And what I know is that Mm. your body is different. I don't, I will never know this myself, but what I've learned from watching and witnessing and respecting women is their body feels different, their relationship to fear their relationship to self-preservation, their relationship to nurturance is fundamentally altered forever. What are the layers of that for you now that you are a grandmother? I can't think of anyone else who would love being a grandmother more than you (laughs) would. What's it like? Talk to me about that. It's so incredible, this this little human who has arrived (laughs) on the scene and is so tiny and needs so much care but has literally become the fulcrum of our lives. On the right. Ella had the baby, birthed the baby in her home here at the ranch. Ugh. When the baby was coming out and the baby cried out, all of the horses on the ranch got near to the building, the green building, and all faced 
all faced the building during the entire wow. moment of, of the baby entering into wow. the oxygen rich world. And wow. mm, mm, it's such a good focal reminder for me. I'll, I'll send you that a little video clip of that. A focal reminder for me about how these forces of nature that come in and change the field are undeniable. And, mm. and so this person has changed everything. And um, I, I do relate, though, to what you were saying about how you're a different person. And your my relationship, for instance, after I had Ella, to fear and to um, balance in the, the vestibular system, my inner ear really changed. Right. I became mm. highly sensitive, highly motion sick, hi- more sensitive than ever. And... Um, that has stuck with me. I have a very high olfactory ever since then. Mm. And so it's just a kind of high mm. sensitivity in the animal body of tracking mm. the little one. And ah, I yeah, see. Yeah. And so, and their safety and what is coming and their protection. And um, so I just, I see her doing all these things that she, she didn't dream. She wasn't the woman who dreamed of having a baby. She was the woman mm. who dreamed of building her life, a very modern woman. Mm. And yet, there she is, using all of her good horsewomanship, her curiosity, her active listening, her consent, her, her, her care, her generosity with this tiny being. And it is literally like horsemanship. It it, mm-hmm. it is it is so impressive and and beautiful and um, she's doing that active listening that slow patient listening that she does with the horses to understand another being who doesn't speak English yet. So she's having to just be steeped in the body language, in the energy, wow. in the reaction of what works and what doesn't work, of what feels fair and connected and what feels edgy and how can I help you when you're in pain? I think you're in pain. Same with the horses. How can I right. discover this? How careful, quiet, curious, observant will I become to help you? It, it means so much to me. I want to care for you. And um, mm. so it's just been incredible. I'm so proud of her. And I mean, I she's mm. already just phenomenal. She's mm. just a very special human. And then to see her suddenly given this twist, this total twist of fate, a total turn, and just pivot and and be right on point and love this one so much and be in awe. And I think that's a big piece here that I, I don't want us to leave without, which I think we both have, and and Ella certainly has too, which is the childlike nature that brought us into the falling in love with giants, with these immense magical creatures. It was love. It was mm. it was fantastic amorous love. And that curiosity, joy, delight um, is still there. And that is why we can't tolerate some of these other aspects any longer. And that with the voice that we have, the time Hmm. and the listening that we have, 
why it's important to us, even though our true nature is to enjoy and to relate mm-hmm. and and to to be in partnership. But because we have voice and we have platform, then we end up speaking to what is also present, which is force and subjugation. Mm. And um, it's our mm. it's our part of our charge. So, so it's a mix, right? And I don't want us to lose it, and I don't want us to forget that that is part of why we're different. Is that we really, truly, originally came in for the love. Mm. We just fell in and love. Never to forget that. Yeah. Never to forget that. Yes, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm so happy for you, and I think being a grandmother now is just another aspect of you know your life with horses as well at some level because he's being raised on the farm around them with them they are helping to raise him i mean i've i've looked to a lot of modern child-centered parenting manuals for advice on horse training because there's so many parallels there uh, because undeveloped language centers, but hugely somatic, mm. uh, hugely aware, hugely uh, impressionable. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of parallels there. So and many. I think many, many people have that realization that how you might parent or how you relate to others, and there's nothing more relatable relating of the field than, you know, raising a child or relating to a child. And horses are so much the same Mm. if we give them that chance. And I have this theory that we say we domesticated horses. I think horses domesticated us. They helped us build civilization. Um, Mm. And I think they're continuing, continuing to help us build our internal sense of being civilized, whatever that is. And I see what you're doing. I hope what I'm doing and what I'm trying to teach is a re- either a returning to or a developing of something a little bit more civilized because the horses are kind of leaning into that. And there is such a difference doing a clinic at your farm relative to doing a clinic anywhere else. That's not to say that I don't like clinicking elsewhere. It's just that the horses on your farm just are different. Mm. There is only, Mm. only smoothness. There is only happiness. There is only listening. Mm. There is only this clear, open feedback loop between the horses and the people on your farm. And I get snippets of that elsewhere, but often elsewhere It's only a snippet. Mm. There'll be a couple here or a moment here, and the work is about creating that. But at your farm, you've created that, and it's there, and it's consistent, and it's all of your horses. Like, it's just such a different atmosphere. And And you've worked for that. And you know that it wasn't always like that, even here. And right. certainly it wasn't always like that for the horses before they came here. And so I want... Right. you created that. Yeah, I want us all to remember it's not too late. We're not stuck in the world mm. that we chose to be in. You don't have to remain in a field that your heart, mind, spirit is telling you is incongruent. Is, is, mm. is You keep getting these messages that there's something about this that isn't fair, that the subjugation is wrong. And 
you you can change. You can try different things. You can keep growing and developing your whole life. You can become the worthy horse person who your horse finds irresistible. Irresistible. Mm. Irresistible. Yes. And 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 yes. and you can have been doing it all kinds of other ways before. Keep mm. learning. Keep trying. Mm. Keep remembering that what you were dreaming of was not the spur, the crop, the metal. That's not what you were dreaming of. None of us were. Hmm. None of us were. Uh, okay, Laurie, so we're going to start wrapping it up now. I'm going to take you through our fun little segments to finish. Okay. I'd like to invite you to What the Muck. I'd like you to... Tell me something that makes you think, what the, what the muck? And I want you to muck it out with me mm-hmm. around horses, around the equestrian industry. Mm-hmm. What is a steaming pile of something in the corner of a stable that we need to scoop up and compost out somewhere? Mm-hmm. The same behavior that allows humans to put the choke collar on the horse, the same behavior that makes the horse crib, be trapped in a small container and crib and bite and try to draw in enough um, oxygen and um, gases to send a blast into their brain to help them check out. All of these things that we do to horses what I want to muck out is the truth, which is that we do them to each other. That if Oof. if we're doing this to the horses, then we're doing this to each other. And so everywhere you go, there you are. And um, I, I, I recently with you, just last year, we were somewhere and... It was purported to be a very natural and very safe and, and uh, you know, practice. And we were going to see something that was an illustration of the goodness of it. And immediately you and I, and actually before that, I had noticed before you had seen the horse, I, and I had said, something's wrong. There's This is happening with these legs, blah, blah, blah. My eyes very good over the years to see if there are changes, lameness, um, imbalances, and and then the but but the person who was there didn't want to hear that but then they saw you white male presenting guru i mean you know beloved i know and, I, and, know, and I know. not your fault and they take your no. word much more seriously your appearance your credentials much more seriously but what you saw was the same thing which is this horse is sore. This horse is having pain in these different areas, and this horse is trying to tell you. And so the thing to do today is not, um, you know, a dog and pony show. It's not to run around and make yourself look good because it doesn't look good. Your horse is feeling badly. The thing to do, yes. the thing to do is let's look at how the horse is feeling badly and how we might help the horse. And so mm-hmm. I, I just want to point to the focus, the love, the attention, and the glory are in the wrong place. And so if you're doing that to your horses, you're doing it to the people too. And so I'm making a character judgment about people who 
are allowing this kind of abuse to horses and um, acting like they're good people. So yes, Laurie. Oh yes, Laurie. And we we discussed that in in detail at your house. And I think I remember saying something to you like, "What did I just walk into? What was I just leveraged to become? This was completely unintentional. Why did I have to walk in here as a white?" gay but white man who teaches and they take my word for it and you've been on this mountain been talking about it for 20 years and they didn't listen to you shame on them shame on them for that and um it made me feel dirty that i had unintentionally participated in that rubbish and um I vowed never to walk into that unintentional situation again and that America is the land of celebrity and they will push someone in there whether they want that or not and I didn't like it (sighs) and I didn't even know. And the whole thing that my consent was removed because there were conversations had about me that I wasn't privy to and I showed up in this place and I was put somewhere and I had a minder suddenly and they had made a plan and I no one had said to me, Lockie, this is what we're going to do. Would you like to do that? Would you like to participate? No one. They just said, oh, he's the trainer from Spain and we're going to, and I'm like, no, like, no, no, we're not doing that and I'm not doing this. Thank you for allowing me to taste it. Thank you <laughs> for giving me what you thought was respect but it really was not respectful. Uh-huh. It actually was not respectful to me. And it wasn't respectful to my friend, my colleague, my host, uh-huh. who has me in her home. Uh-huh. And you don't even realize how disrespectful you're being to the lack of awareness. Well, and because that out. that's right, because what is what is respectful and what is consensual should be respectful and consensual for all of us. For everyone. Right. And so I'm just going to say, I feel the same way about being so immersed in the sport world. And I, that's why I say I have blood on my hands. Um, Mm. And now I feel confident in saying that all of the people there who are participating and allowing it are a part of the problem. And I, I, it's bullshit if they want to say, oh, I, I don't treat my friends like this. I don't treat my husband like this. I'm, I'm really fair and caring and consensual and I'm a very intuitive, soft being. No, you're not. You're, you're not. Thank you. I can tell by what Thank you're you. doing to your horse. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what, yeah, we'll, we'll muck that out a bit. They got mucky. We'll muck that out. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, how we're, we're, I think the whole conversation has been this, but how would you encapsulate the tides of change? How are you contributing to the tides of change that are starting to sweep across the horse industry? Not all of it, mm-hmm. but there's a tsunami coming and you're part of it. How yeah. are you contributing to it? I think one of the primary ways that I contribute is that I am not going to get stuck. I'm not going to um, buy someone's book or their uh, video, or their go to their clinic and only do that and only subscribe to one man's thinking. 
Um, I've, I've spent my whole life studying and understanding and then trying to adapt to what parts are true for me and how I know that I will be on this path is that I am willing to be wrong <laughs> and I'm mm. willing to keep studying. And when I find the things that are working and that are so effective, I bring them back to my people. It's a part of my mm -hmm. mission that I'll kind of go out there like Indiana Jones and get out and have to thrash out in the wild world. And then I'm going to bring back to my people what I really, truly believe myself works. And I'm going to keep looking and I'm going to practice. I'm going to be disciplined about it. Yeah. So I'm going to be willing to change and I'm going to practice. Mm. And that's perfectly segueing into my last question for you today and that is what is home for you all of us have a learning journey everyone's on a learning journey but there are very few people who are truly on a journey that actually comes home somewhere and lands somewhere you just said it i go out there in the world like indiana jones then if i find something that sticks i bring it back to my people uh, and yeah. that's that's what i'm asking you here <laughs> what is home for you take me home mm. where my heart and my mind go immediately home feels like standing in front of oso or sitting down on the ground in front of oso and and really peering into his eyes which sometimes in in the right light has this kind of copper fiery eyes mm. this beautiful chestnut mustang and this conversation that we're having that is not in English, hmm. that curiosity, that deep wondering and listening when I'm looking up the bridge of his nose and looking into his eyes and he and all of his people of all of his time and me and all of my people of all of time there we are, these two lines crossing and, you know, just the questions about what our relationship is all about and feeling the impact of it without knowing what the full story is yet. Something in there in the mystery is like the, the home for me of, of, mm. of the relationship our organization, which uh, does business as Horse and Heart, the real name of our organization is Equus Anam Kara. But the uh -huh. Americans couldn't figure that one out very well. So we had to do a different one. But of course, that, that means in Latin, horse, soul, friend. And so that has been uh -huh. the name from the very beginning. And that has been the essence. And that is still what is home for me, is this soul co communion. That's the gift the same way we feel if we get the moment to ever look into the eye of a whale or a giraffe or an elephant. Mm. Um, that's what it's like. It's, it's full of mystery and, and full of divinity. Um, and that for me is the home of, of the relationship, the heart, the draw. Equus Anamkara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or soul friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can think of no one who embodies that better than you do. Mm, I love you so much. And Except oh, maybe your daughter. I love you too. Can I can I do a thank you before we go? So this is so important. Yes. Ella and I both wanted to thank you for this. Um, we've touched on some pieces of this, but you know, as, as a hippie, natural horse 
girl back in the day when no one was even doing natural horsemanship. And then all the way to these times of, of the woo and the emotions and the therapeutic aspects and the relational field. Um, there have constantly been naysayers. Constantly there have been people who have tried to take us out at the knees. And from the moment I spoke to you, the moment I saw you, there was never an ounce of that. You have lifted us and amplified us so willfully and purely. Um, I, it's it's sort of it's uh, it's just so deeply touching, and it's it's literally no one has ever done this for us. And so this is this is the medicine. Like if we can do this for another. If, if I will, mm. so I do this for others and you do this for others, but I just want you to know that I'm 55 and you're the first one who really did it for me. And my daughter watched it happen and she could see like, oh, this person really sees my mother. This person knows what she's been up to. And the, va mm -hmm. the validation is, is like the the fire. It's like the fire that stays in the heart and the fire that stays under our feet. So thank you for the deep validation. It really is powerful and it means so much to me because I respect you so much. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you made you. it easy. It has always been effortless. And thank uh, you. as my friend says, Lockie comes through the front door. I don't come through the back door. There's no intentions here. I have no angle. <sighs> it's just, it's, it's, yes, <sighs> how it is. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to know you. Thank you for being here and Thank making you. this so easy and lovely. Yes. I'm going to let you go to bed mm. way past your bedtime. Yes. And the sun has just come up oh, and hit my have, pastures. Have so a I'm great day. Go. We're, I'm dreaming. We're dreaming Thank ourselves uh, to appear there sometime. So that's, that's yes. in the mix. Okay, darling. Thank yes. you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Laurie. And just to finish, yes. where can people find you on social media and online? Oh, yes. Definitely find us on Instagram. I'm Wise Horsewoman. You can also find us at Horse and Heart. And Ella is Emerald Equine. That's my daughter and my partner. And there are all kinds of interesting things happening at the ranch this year. We have a pretty full upcoming events list. So go check that out. And last little thing I'm going to drop. I haven't dropped it anywhere, so this is the official news. Um, for a couple years now, Nika Ware on Instagram, she is um, Nika Draws Nature. She and I for, yes, I have for two years. Drawings back here. Yeah, we have mm -hmm. been creating the Wise Horsewoman Oracle deck and that, oh. that will launch this year. And uh, so, oh. so look for that. Thank you, darling. I'm so excited. Thank, Thank you, you, Laurie. Okay. Have a lovely Catch day. Up soon. Thanks for being Bless here. Bless you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.